chapter 24. And I promise if you listen carefully, you'll find yourself in this message. <clears throat> I promise. I'm in it all over the place, so. <laughs> Exodus chapter 24. This message is out of a series of messages, just like the one this morning was, called Wilderness Wanderings. And it traces the Israelites after they left Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, and what God did. Now they're waiting on God. We just saw the uh, <clears throat> part of this this morning. This is the second part. Exodus 24, verse 18, the Bible says, And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount, and Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. Now, how long was he there? 40 days and? Okay. How many hours is that? <laughs> Ooh. In Exodus 20, we see God giving parts of the law to Moses, right? Remember the Ten Commandments? We find the moral law in chapter 20. In chapter 21, God gives Moses the laws that deal with the interactions of the people. He then talks about the three feasts that the Israelites must observe every year. And in chapter 24, verse 3, Moses comes down to the people and tells them all that God said. And look what they say in response. Verse 3, chapter 24. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, What? Some of the words, some of the words which the Lord has said we will do. What did he say? All. Did you know that all means all? All the time? Not just sometimes? It all means all. All the time. Okay. <clears throat> Keep this in mind as we go further in this. So Moses goes back up the mountain to receive more instruction from God. And verse 18 says that he was 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain with God. Let's go now to chapter 32 where the narrative continues. Chapter 32, verse 1. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together with, unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what has become of him. Wow. What's the point here? God is silent. He's been silent for 40 days and 40 nights. What should we do when God is silent? Has he ever been silent in your life? Just kind of feel, you feel like he, God left me hanging here. I don't, <laughs> I'm 
know where, where do I go? What do I do? The Bible tells us that Moses was on top of the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. And the Israelites were used to talking with Moses after he had talked to God. And all of a sudden, it's quiet. For 40 days and nights, there is no communication from Moses or God. What would you think? Put yourself there. There are times in our lives... Beloved, when we feel like God is silent, we have given God our request. The Israelites were used. Uh, we have talked to him about our problems and concerns, and nothing changes for us. And you begin to think, did he show me and I miss it? Did he answer the prayer? My train and I was at the dock waiting for my ship to come in. What's going on here? <clears throat> and we feel stuck. We feel like God is not listening. And what would you do if God was suddenly silent in your life? And don't just think older adults, that younger adults don't feel this. They do. So what did the Israelites do? This is a sad story. Verse 2. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Wow, wow. What did they say in, in uh, verse 18? All that the Lord said, we will do everything he says. Remember that? All that the Lord has said, we will do. And I'm reading this, and I'm sitting here blinking, and I'm saying, what just happened? Why did this happen? <clears throat> they forsook their faithfulness to God, and they, they had said in Exodus 24, verse 3, all the words which the Lord has said we will do. This included what God said in Exodus 20, verses 3 and 4. Do you know what they say? Part of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20. Look at this. Verses 3 and 4. They said they would do this. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. They said they would do this. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. 
Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. They said they would do that. And what did they do in chapter 32, verses 1 through 6? They started worshiping a golden calf. Why? Because God was silent. In Exodus chapter 32, verse 6, we find the Israelites participating in the debauchery of heathen idol worship. The word play has sexual meaning to it. You know, it's hard to wait upon God. It just is. We are a society that lives for the immediate. We have grown up expecting to have results, answers to the things we want right now. We don't know how to wait. And we don't know how to wait patiently. I remember <laughs> a line at a cashier in the store in German is called a snake. In English, in German, it's a schlange. I'm standing in this long schlange, okay? And the people are just grouchy and grumpy. And the guy comes up behind me and says, oh, this is so long. I said, well, the only way to get patience is to exercise it. He didn't like that. I was not very encouraging. What I said was true. It was truth. But it was truth at the wrong time in the wrong way. <clears throat> We don't know how to wait, and we don't know how to wait patiently. And do you know people who can't sit still? These people are constantly moving. If they sit in a chair, either they're tapping their fingers on their knee or jiggling their foot or constantly adjusting themselves in their chair. You know people like that? Are you one? They cannot be still for one minute. And we expect, expect the same activity from God. God, don't tell me to wait. I'm too important. My time is too valuable to wait on your plans. Can you not answer my prayers any faster than that? I hope none of us have verbally said that, but I know all of us have in our hearts. All of us, every single one of us. So people, God's not in a hurry. And he does not need your stopwatch. Or mine. He moves at his pace according to his plan, and we must submit ourselves if he says wait, then wait. God says be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46 verse 10. The best time to know that God is God is when you have to wait. That's a great time. So you say, okay, well how do I wait? I'm glad you asked. Second Peter chapter 1 tells us, Let's keep something in Exodus. We'll get back there in a minute. <clears throat> Come with me, please, to 2 Timothy 
chapter 1, verse 3. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. How do we wait? How do we wait? I hate it when someone says, well, you need to learn how to wait. Okay, tell me how to learn how to wait. And they don't go any further. Well, God doesn't stop at, you need to learn how to wait. He tells us how. So we wait by improving the quality of our faith. We wait by improving quality of our faith. Verse 3, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, Charity, for if these things be in you and abound. Circle that word abound. So we, we need a, to be abounding, not springing around the church like little rabbits at Easter, okay? We need to be abounding in these things. <coughs> for... If these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Do you remember what you were like before God saved you? Are you still like that? If you are, maybe you're not saved. Because God comes in, he changes people. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says that. So in verse, verse 5, we find the command, add to your faith. This is a command. It's not a heavenly suggestion. Oh, by the way, I think it would really be good, Pastor, if you would please, to your faith, add to these things. Then I can use you a little more. What do you think? Would that be okay? Do you think God's going to say that to any of us? No. He says, add. Do it. And if you don't, you're being disobedient. That's the bottom line to it all right there. Add means to fully supply to aid or contribute to. God wants you to fully supply your faith with these things. He wants you to aid your faith in him with these things. He wants you to contribute to your faith 
with these things. And the verb add is an active verb. Therefore, God is telling us to be diligent in the process. If we want to avoid being unfaithful to God like the Israelites are or were here in chapter 32, we must be diligent to add to our faith the qualities God mentions here. Faith is not faith without them. By the way, faith is not faith if God's missing. Okay? Verse 9 says that those who lack these qualities in their faith have forgotten that they were purged from their own sins. So if we are not willing to wait on God, then we will forget that we are saved. The Israelites forgot that God took them out of Egypt. <laughs> how, how dumb can you get? Well, let me tell you something. Sin makes us stupid. Uh, this is no getting around it. Sin makes a person stupid. You want to see dumb decisions? You want to see stupid ideas? Follow someone who's given his life over to sin. We will be tempted to enter into sin. That is what happened to the Israelites. Their selfishness caused them to forget that God rescued them from Egypt, parted the Red Sea, defeated the Egyptian army, gave them water and food in the desert, and has guided them to Mount Horeb. We all have a tendency to forget what God has done in our lives, so when we have to wait on the Lord, we find it intensely hard. Remembering what God has done in your life in the past will help you to wait because you know he's got plans for your future. Oh, just because <clears throat> God's silent doesn't mean he's forgotten you're there. <laughs> Can God forget? That's not a question like, do, Mommy, do worms yawn? No, God cannot forget. He's omniscient. What do you know about God that would help you through the times he's silent? He hasn't forgotten you're there. Matter of fact, he's very busy preparing his answer for you. If you'll just be patient, he'll give it to you in his time, right? So what must be added to our faith, it says here, in knowledge? What's that mean? It means that you know God and his word. Well, what does it mean to know God? Well, let's put it this way. Because of this practical knowledge, you are able to apply it to yourself and your situation. That means you know how he thinks. Maybe the best explanation for this is when two men had an Auseinander. That's uh, German for a falling out. 
okay? They were not friendly to each other anymore. One was older, one was younger. And the younger guy went away mad and angry. The older guy went away mad and angry. A few days later, the younger guy came, younger guy came back to the house where the older man lived and knocked on the door, and this older man's wife answered the door. And the younger man said, Can, may I please come in and talk to your husband? I need to apologize. I was wrong. <clears throat> she says, wait just a minute. He comes into the kitchen. He watches her. She goes into the living room and looks out the, the picture window. She comes back. She says, I really don't think now's a good time to talk to him, come, maybe come back a little later. He said, you didn't even talk to him. I said, I didn't have, she said, I didn't have to. I, I knew he was outside on the front porch rocking in his chair, and I looked out the window. I can tell by the way he's rocking. He's still mad. Do you know God that way? Like this wife knew her husband? So if something comes up, you automatically know what God thinks about it. Well, the only way you can know how God thinks about it is if you have a knowledge of his word. Because in his word, he's revealed to you and me how he thinks. So knowledge, he says also temperance. Temperance is self-control. When God is silent, when God says, wait, do you find yourself getting fearful? Because you don't have an answer yet. Do you find yourself getting impatient? Do you even find yourself getting angry with God? Well, temperance does not give in to those feelings or thoughts, but chooses to continue to trust God. It chooses to remain faithful. There's the, then there's the word here, patience. Patience goes hand in hand with temperance. We had a nephew who said, I uh, mother said, I would like to hold your hand. And he comes out and he says, no, I'll hold my own hand. He walks out like this. <laughs> How many times do we hold our own hand? Patience goes hand in hand with temperance. It means a cheerful, oh, get this. Get this. Patience means a cheerful and hopeful endurance. Oh, I don't like that definition. But it's a help. Cheerful and hopeful endurance, a patient continuance. Being patient as we wait on God shows that we trust him. It is a word that means submission. It means to remain where you are even when you are under pressure. How many of you remember the game Tiddlywinks? You remember that game? What is, how did we play it? We had this little flat disc and another flat disc that you held, held in between your fingers and you pushed the edge down on the edge of the other one. What did it do when you put enough pressure on there? It shot out, didn't it? Patience means you will not shoot out under pressure. You'll stay there and patiently and hopefully endure the pressure. Endure the pressure with patience and hope. It says here, godliness. This means a piety in our Christian walk or godliness or 
godliness. Most of us do not behave ourselves in a godly way when we do not get what we think God should give us. Or when he doesn't answer our prayers fast enough for us. We become fearful and impatient and frustrated and angry. And this is exactly how the Israelites acted. What about this Moses? I haven't heard from him in 40 days and 40 nights. And this God, that forget God brought us out of Egypt. This Moses brought us out of Egypt. Now, now where's God in their thinking? Hmm? So they did not even personally, personally apply what they had already learned about God. And they knew a lot already. So what's the outcome? <clears throat> well, back in Exodus chapter 32, <laughs> verses 7 through 10, the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down, for thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Our impatience towards God will lead us to sin. That's a serious thought. When we do not choose to trust God in times of waiting, then we will fall prey to sinful, to the sinful thinking just like the Israelites did. We will follow the sinful crowd like Aaron. And we will reject God and we will commit sin and our impatience towards God. Secondly, our impatience towards God will grieve his heart. God's love for us is eternal. That's found in verses 1 through 6. Exodus 32, 1 through 6. God's mercy and grace are eternal. But what does that mean? Does it mean that God closes our eyes, or his eyes to sin? No. God sees it and is grieved. Thirdly, our impatience towards God will bring his righteous wrath. Verses 15 through 28, and then verse 35, we find Moses coming down, grinding up the calf, making people drink the water he threw it into, and then killing a lot of people. A lot of people died that day. If we choose to walk in our flesh because God does not immediately answer our prayers, then God must act. Not with what he was planning to do for us, but as chastisement of our unfaithfulness due to our impatience. Think with me for a moment. What took place between... Exodus 19 or Exodus 20 in the giving of the law and Exodus 32 when this happened. What was God talking to Moses about up there for 40 days and 40 nights? Do you think that might be important? The following chapters tell us all about that. In chapter 24, Moses goes back up to the mountain to meet with God. 
Beginning in chapters 25 through 31, God gives Moses the plans and instructions for the tabernacle. <laughs> he gives the building plans and the materials of which they should be made. We learn about the Ark of the Covenant and the golden candlestick. We learn how the tabernacle is to be divided into two parts, the holy place and the holy of holies. We learn about the veil that separates the two from each other. We learn that Aaron is chosen to be the high priest. What's he doing down there? Making a golden calf. We learn about the garments that the high priest and the other priests were supposed to wear. We learn about the incense altar, the brass laver, and the holy anointing oil. We learn how God miraculously has endowed certain men with the ability to make all of these things. What was God doing, doing during these 40 days and 40 nights? He was giving Moses the plans for the atonement from sin. Do you think that might be worthwhile waiting on? <laughs> and during this time, what were the people doing? They were sitting. All because they could not wait for God to finish what he was doing so he could give them his answer. My dear friend, waiting upon God is holy work. It's holy work. God is working. You may not be able to see him do anything, but he is. And the blessing is worth the wait. So improve the quality of your faith and God, by diligently adding to it the qualities found in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, for dearly beloved, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful. Amen. Let's wake up and stand up and pray, shall we? Father, thank you for your word. Again, we're grateful to see what you have planned for us in these chapters. Help us to take to heart the lessons that are embedded deeply into these scriptures. In Jesus' name we pray.